This is Tyler. And this is Danny. And this is the Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. Most operative part of that being getting stoned since we're still at the beginning of our show. Oh, and I guess the horror movie this week would be like Mungo. You probably know that already if you were looking at the title to the show. Maybe you didn't. Maybe it auto-played from something. We're going to be talking about Lake Mungo. Hi again. I'm Tyler again. <laughs> I mean, I guess the most pressing business, as I already said, is that we got to get stones, so let's get our green hits in. The downsides of a newly wrecked state hit me once again, and I was not able to bring pre-rolls because the dispo I hit this morning was out. But Danny, what did you bring me? All right, so the descriptor on this one is frostier than a snowman and will leave you happy, talkative, and energetic. Which strain am I talking about? I am talking about Burberry, which is a strain, of course, I brought over today from our lovely folks over at Flower. And with that being said, the THC comes in at 31.4%, which we've talked about in the past. You know, it's not always about those numbers. That's just the psychoactive properties on this. But for those who are curious, the top three terpenes that it's listing is beta, caryophyllene, limonene, and myrcene. What does that mean? It's going to have you feeling uplifted, energetic, social, physical, and sometimes a little giggly. I think regardless, we tends to do that to me. And the flavor notes, because it is a lineage of blueberry and Gucci BX, is extra sweet berry bubblegum flavored. Now, I've been chiefing on this a little bit this weekend, mostly during the day. I've got something else for the night, and um, it's been keeping me pretty uplifted, so I can't complain. I think this one is going to help for today's show. Nice, nice. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I picked up some anniversary cake. I didn't look up anything on it because we're not smoking it right now anyway because it's an indica and we don't want to be sleepy boys <laughs> for this one. Not always a bad thing to be sleepy boys, but... There's a time and a place. There's a time and a place. To go along with that, as always, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms. At even the lowest level, for only a dollar a month, you could have gotten this a week ago. How special would you feel if you were listening to these episodes before most of the rest of the world? And much like us at the highest level, you could be hitting us up on Discord right now and chit-chatting with us live. Hell Yeah. And doing all sorts of that biz. And as we get better at doing other shits, that's where you're going to be privy to it. And we have some talks in mind for some shit that's probably going to be rolling out for Patreon. So now that, you know, our shit's together. I, I was about to say to now that like, things are getting back to normal, even though they're not like Omicron yeah. surging. But we're supposed to be past the peak of it in like a month and a half. Yeah, so, so like we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't want to count my chickens yet. but. <laughs> no, no, you're but the shit that we have planned will be easy for us to get done, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So I don't think I have anything else. So let's get into the guts and bolts of Lake Mungo. Guts and bolts of Lake Mungo. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts. Lake Mungo. Who and what went in the making of this movie? Spoiler free. Start out with your setup for the flick. In this mockumentary... A young girl has gone missing in a rather horrible tragedy for a family. Unfortunately for them, that's only the beginning, as spooky stuff starts happening immediately after. Why? Dun dun dun! <laughs> no, I do like it. I think it's a good brief setup of what this film, of course, entails without spoiling anything. <clears throat> so with that being said, from week to week, we do like to talk about the cast and crew of the film. And this week, leading off, 
Our director on this is a gentleman named Joel Anderson. Now, he's both the director and writer, so that's going to make this a little bit easier. So as far as directing credits outside of Lake Mungo, he has a short film entitled The Rotting Woman. And as far as another writing credit he has is Gravity with Paperclip, which is another short. The cinematographer on this is John Brawley. He's known for a couple of different television series and one movie. The television series are Offspring from 2010 through 16 and The Resident from 2018 through 19. And the films are The Great and The Morning Show. All right, the editor on this is Bill Murphy. He's actually edited the film Romper Stomper. So, no so, shit. Yeah, some people <laughs> might know Mr. Crow. <laughs> All right, he's also done the film Body Melt, the film Life, and the film Half Light. Now, the film Life is not the Martin Lawrence one and, mm. and that. These are mostly— Well, why not? Uh, well— because this is an Australian production, and these are mostly all Australian. Fucking Australians like cornbread. That's true. That's true. I don't know how much, though. Not like, yeah. not like us in the Southeast. <laughs> all right. The music was composed by David Patterson. This was produced by Georgie Neville and David Rapsey. Production companies on this were Mungo Productions, Screen Australia, and SBS Independent. The distributor was Arclight Films. Had a release date at the Sydney Film Festival in Australia on June 18th, 2008. Had an estimated budget of around 1.7 million Australian dollars, which comes out to be about 1.2 million dollars here in the States. And the tagline I have is, now this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler, so... But I want to go ahead and say Oh, it. shit. They have a spoilery tagline? Uh, yeah, I mean, so... Granted, now, mind you, this film's about 13 years old now. Yep. So you have a little bit of time to catch up. Okay. But it says, in 2008, Alice Palmer died. Her nightmare didn't. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, it's technically spoilery, but... Doesn't say, because we said tragedy, but we didn't really say what it was. Yeah. <laughs> but we still didn't. You just know that she died. That's all mm -hmm. we know right now. Okay. So that being said, going into the cast... I'm going to lead off with the Palmer family, starting off with the mother, and that is played by Rosie Trainers. He is June Palmer in this film. Now, you're going to notice one television series everybody has in common, and I'm going to be refraining that a lot, but I'm going to lead off with Blue Healers, a television show. She made an appearance back in 2002, and the only other film I have her of note is in Cut Snake. Right, we have David Pledger. He plays the role of Russell Palmer, who is the father in the film. He was in the film One Night Stand, Gravest Bodily Harm, and he was also part of Blue Healer's television show back in 1997. All right, we have Martin Sharp. He plays the son, Matthew Palmer, in the film. He was in Blue Healers back in 2002 through 2004. He was also part of the television series Scooter, Secret Agent from 2005. And more recently, he was in Wentworth, the television series back in 2016. Or we have Talia Zucker. She plays the role of Alice Palmer. She was also part of the Blue Healers television series back in 2002. She was in the film Ned Kelly. You might have also seen her in Scooter, Secret Agent, back in 2005, and the film Motel Acacia. We have Steve Jodrell. He plays the role of Ray Kemeny. He was in the film Fran, the film Clowning Around, and he was also part of the Blue Healers television show back in 96. Now, there's some other people who make appearances, of course, in this film. I'll kind of briefly go through who they are. I don't really have any credits. Like I said, most of them are Australian, mm -hmm. so unless you're very familiar. We have Tanya Lenteni. She plays the role of Georgie Ritter, and Cameron Straken plays the role of Laith Ritter. They're the couple who... I kind of give, the, give some expo about what happened. They're like neighbors, friends, right. what have you. All right, we have Iris Long and Garrett Long, 
who are the parents of June, and they're played by Judith Roberts and Robin Cumming. We have Marcus Costello and Chloe Armstrong that play the role of Jason Whittle and Kim Whittle. They're like teenage friends of Alice and Matthew, with Jason being the boyfriend of Alice in the film. All right, we have Carol Petula. She plays the role of Sandy Druin. She is actually one of the cops that's later on in the film. She gets a little expo towards the end of the oh, film. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, then we have a couple played by Tamra Donnellan and Scott Terrell. They play Marissa and Brett Toey. They're like some neighbors that Alice babysits for. Mm-hmm. And last but not least is actually our director-writer, Joel Anderson. He is the interviewer. He gets unaccredited, but he does a little bit of the narration throughout the film. So that pretty much gives you the cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. You should give some warnings. Warnings? I guess minor spoilers in order to give proper warnings for this, because it, it's pretty obvious from the get-go that it's more of a supernatural slash ghost story bend. Exactly. Um, so if, like, you don't like ghosts, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> I guess technically there's some nudity, though it's so blurry that... Right, I mean, you could say it's, like, ugh, partially pornographic in a sense. Yeah, Partially, but, but not really, because you don't really see anything. And there's some... Same with, like... Imagery... Like, there's a body that's technically messed up enough that I guess you would have to consider it gore. I see most places yeah. rate this movie for gore, but... But that lends into what I'm saying with imagery. It's more the the image more so than actual gore. But I, mm-hmm. I know what you're saying, because it looks fucked up. It looks good. It looks fucked good. Up. I mean, I wouldn't fuck it, but I'm doing... <laughs> <laughs> no, all jokes aside, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. But it's only shown a couple times very briefly, and it's yeah. not... Like moving <laughs> gore, it's mostly like a, a still photograph, yeah. It's what you're seeing, language, yeah, and even then, kind of barely, honestly. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's especially like, for them being Australians, no violence, yeah. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Mostly, it's mostly just creepy, yeah, but. creepy, a little bit supernatural, a little bit ghost mm-hmm. story mix, but that's yeah, without spoiling too much, I guess. With that. We'll get into how Lake Mungo made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, Lake Mungo. For the, what, second time in three weeks, it's a lake movie. For the second time in three weeks, we subjected ourselves to a fucking ghost story. Not knowingly. And for the second time in three weeks, I think we both ended up digging it. I'm going to concur with you on that as well, because um, of what we'll get into, of course, but... Yeah, I'm going to agree as of right now, yeah, on that premise. <laughs> now, I will say, I, I guess going into this, I enjoyed this movie. I'm kind of surprised at how few notes I ended up taking on this movie. I don't know if it was the same for you, but second time through, I kind of realized that this is a movie that at a certain point explains to you everything it's going to explain to you. That's a solid point. It's just that there are some things it's not going to explain to you. yeah. And I think that's the kind of the fun about this style of film in particular is the second time, not necessarily third time, but maybe third time. That's when you'll start kind of piecing all the stuff from the beginning. And even though that second half and maybe the last act spells it out, it makes the first two thirds not only interesting, but you know what the hell is going on is what I'm trying to say. And it, it makes the first two thirds a bit of a where's Waldo. It does. It does. It does. It does. Which is fun, too, you know, because... For multiple things? 
Pretty, yeah, exactly. Yo, dude. This movie has enough twists that fucking Shyamalan probably came in his pants <laughs> watching this. You're like, damn, dog. And my horrible pronunciation of his last name is yeah. why he has everyone call him Knight or M. Knight. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I get it now. I get it. <laughs> All right, so Lake Mungo. This is a flick where even though, I mean, and we've talked about this in the past, the reason we do this is because neither of us tend to be scared by these movies. Oh, what? <laughs> but I would, I understand if somebody says they're fucking scared of this movie. Likewise. And, you know, after going back, I mean, we were just saying this off air, but going back listening to our episode from last week because, you know, I was editing it. Mm-hmm. And listening to what we had to say, because we've already both, I don't know how many times we've said this, but typically the stories and things of that nature really are in our bag. But if it's done proper, regardless of how we feel about our bias, if it's done well, I'm willing to be like, hey, man, I'm I'm okay with that, <laughs> you know, as long as it's not, you know, kind of cheap jump scares and that, all that nonsense, then, then you've already, I'm out. Just the way it's presented, like, this is a brilliantly done documentary. How... What was the fucking budget on this, did you say? It's like 1.2 million How? US dollars. I know, I know. Because I'm pretty sure most of it was like B-roll, basically. No kidding, right? <laughs> there was some good establishing shots and things of that nature, yeah. Oh, no, so just the way this mockumentary is done, like I definitely have known people that would watch that movie and say... Oh man, that's so screwed up how that can happen. Yeah. That's... And I get why they're saying that, but I want to say no, it can't. Uh, <laughs> dude, and that's another kind of point. It's like there's still a part of me, and that's usually the you end know, of like the childhood and stuff, because that's when I was more prone and susceptible mm-hmm. to believing in that shit, because I didn't know any better, that still wants to kind of believe in this stuff. But then there's like the adult, rational, logical side of me. It's like, nah, dude, this is nah. as much as it's, you know, like I said, you want to believe it. Nah, I'm not saying it's not fun film. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't believe in that shit. I will say once once everything's revealed and you see how the pieces start fitting together, I do feel like this is one of the more. I don't know, natural feeling ghosts that's ever mm. been shown. Like, I can understand. Like, it feels fucked up in, like, the right kind of way where, like, nothing's perfect. Like, most ghosts are too perfect. Right, right. But this makes sense. You just have to be able to, like, pull out and remember everything and see the bigger picture of what's going on. Yeah, because I think you can get it kind of lost in a sense and just trying to figure out, like... The ghost aspect of it more so than the story aspect of it, I think. Well, because it's kind of a time travel movie. That's when getting there's some interesting shit in this film. There's like spiritual time travel going on, which might be what's explaining the ghost. But that's yes. not the only thing explaining the ghost. But no, no. I think for me, I think there's a a bigger concept or you could say theme that explains this. But we'll get into that. We'll get into it. Getting into the beginning of the movie with uh, the opening credit sequence and stuff, yeah, yeah. I do want to say orbs and spectral apparitions and photographs are by and by just bullshit almost every single time, but goddamn, do they look cool. I was just thinking, I was like, 
it looks good. It but looks cool But there's shit. also <laughs> some expo later on in this film that kind of gives away some trade secrets. Right. <laughs> I'm like, all right. That already kind of dispels some myths, if you will. But you're right. It still looks cool as fuck. Looks cool as fuck. I loved that it opened on that. I was like, okay. Well, I didn't know much about this flick going into it, right? Because this was yeah. my first time with it. Yours? Likewise. Yeah. First two times. I had heard some good hubbub, some good fucking chat about it and shit. But as far as knowing just how supernatural it was, all I, I knew no was idea. that that word was brought up in like every description of the movie. It's like, and then supernatural shit starts to happen. And you're right. That kind of makes you wonder, like, to what extent? What do you mean by that exactly? So that opening credits, I was like, oh, we got ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going to call? Something that makes sense, I think, the second time through is the opening dialogue that you hear. And you don't know quite who it is yet, but it turns out to be Alice and what she says. Because it's, for me, the, one of my first notes is her dark premonition. Is She says, I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way, is what she says. No, that part was good and, like, creepy, and especially upon rewatch, like, knowing its context and stuff. The part that I felt was way overblown in this movie was that Alice kept the fact that she was keeping secrets a secret. <laughs> I know. I'm like, all right, that's... At first, like, the first time through, I was like, oh, shit, she's eating, like, super double life. <laughs> and that part, we'll get there, we'll talk about that. But that ends up being seven minutes yeah. Of the movie. Yeah. It's just a small glimpse. Yeah. I agree with that. It's not this giant, like... <laughs> no. She's got a secret second family somehow, even though she's a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. I mean, I think within the sphere of her 16-year-old bubble... Oh, absolutely. That is... Yeah. That is what that is. But that's one of the other things that during that opening credit sequence, like... She was keeping secrets. I know, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, Team she Vogue. was. You're keeping secrets, too, because you're a 16-year-old girl. Don't tell me you're telling everybody everything. Exactly, dude. That's what I'm kind of getting at. It's within the old sphere of her her own little bubble. Uh, all right. I did a little research, not necessarily because I have to, but I was just curious. I'm always curious about these things, like the town and the site, the dam. Is that a real thing? Yeah, they exist. Okay. All right, now, how far is it from Lake Mungo? Now, Lake Mungo is a real place. We'll get into that in a little bit. But it's roughly... Let me guess, it's Australia. Shit actually happened at Lake Mungo, didn't it? We'll get into that. (laughs) So the drive itself is like about five and a half hours, give or take. You know, say 10, 15 minutes either way. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. For like a field trip and all that stuff. It's It's in a slightly different state. I think this is in Victoria... Ararat, mm-hmm. and then like Mungo is in, um, I think it's in s- southern Australia. If okay, I'm not mistaken. It might even be in Queensland, but anyway, point being is that's just curious. So like, okay, at least that's consistent, <laughs> you know, and all that shit. So it gives you some narrative of what's happened. Like she gives you some dialogue at the beginning. You don't know who it is. You know, it's juxtaposed, I suppose, if you will, over those photographs. And then it talks about the tragedy. It gives you a little bit of that. And then you find out what the tragedy is. The family was out at a dam. The brother and sister were swimming. The brother goes back on land. A few minutes later, girl goes missing. You're a bigger fan than I am. Did you start laughing when you realized their last name was Palmer? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I was like, oh, man. And then the more this plays out, 
It's like, damn, dude. Strikes again. <laughs> Somebody loves them some Twin Peaks. Man, not only that, but I wonder how much they're aware of how much they don't realize, you know, the, the commonality with Singapore sling. <laughs> oh, right. And the original uh, Laura, the mm-hmm. Otto Preminger mm-hmm. Laura. It's like, it was weird. I was having that conversation again this fucking week. <laughs> it's like, what, what the hell? But yeah, that's it's pretty much on the nose. Was oh yeah, tragedy happens. She fucking drowns. Right, and then you know the search party. That's comes the first up. bit that's creepy though. Oh yeah, because because she just up and disappears like she's gone. She just suddenly vanished. not there. Like what the fuck? Yeah, is she gone? Do you know she's gone for real? Or yeah, it turns into a mystery at that point. Where is this gonna go? So they call in the search team, rescue team, and all that stuff. Some scuba divers. I think it was it the next day, sometime in the evening. It's when they find the, the body. I think it was like three days. It was a few days. Oh, yeah. It was it was in a span of a few days. Now, Maybe this, not. I don't remember. It could have been a few, within the context of a few days. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. It was before Christmas. I know that because it happened on the 21st. When they found the body, the dad ID'd it because the mom decided she, didn't, she couldn't. She didn't want to see her daughter like that. But what this also led to her is not having closure in hindsight and retrospect, right? Mm-hmm. And this also kind of catapulted some shit a little bit later on, because after they identified the body, the corpse, and all that stuff, the dad that is, the grandmother and granddad, I guess they spent Christmas with the family because they were all grieving. They talked about how awkward, of course, it would have been. And then it wasn't until 10 days after the funeral, which happened to me on January 15th, when these strange events started happening. You know, they started to happen, i.e., noises on the roof. Sounds coming from outside the windows, stuff come like noises coming from in and out of Alice's room. And Matthew, he started taking up an interest in photography. And this is when the first photographic evidence, if you will, appears on April 28, 2006. So this is, you know, several months removed from the accident. And it's of the backyard and it shows Alice in the backyard. Now, we're in spoilers. I don't know how much you want to spoil this right now. Okay, look, we're in the spoiler section. Any proper talking about this movie? Yeah, it's going to be spoilers. It's going to be spo- all spoilers because yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's a bunch of, there's twists upon twists. Right. So at first, even so, my first view, right, I was wondering, like you were saying, the where's Waldo mm-hmm. <laughs> aspect of it. I was looking too and I was so pissed that I didn't see it because in the first one is the one that you have the best chance of Absolutely, because it's more, it's not a a panoramic shot, but it's wide enough to where you can see it. It's pretty obvious the second time around. But, you know, first time around, I can't remember exactly if I was like, oh, there she is. And then I was like, oh, wait wait a minute. (laughs) I think it was more like the same. It's like, oh, okay, cool. There's a ghost right Mm -hmm. here in this photo. That's pretty fucking obvious. But what that does, too, is it sparks like, okay, let's, uh, let's do this a little bit more investigative. Like, what the hell is, you know, happening? I think it was with, oh, I know what it was. Um, it was after the dad had that experience in her room. Well, yeah, because, well, the first thing that happens is mom starts her fucking sleepwalking. Yeah, she's going in and out of people's homes. And Although I don't know how sleepwalking it is. It sounds like she's kind of aware she with even, the way that she describes it. She even says it. it. Yeah, she was like, I just want to go see what it was like living in other people's lives. Then her dad has the experience with the ghost. Mm-hmm. And because of that, too, it started to cast some doubt. So that, wait. And the okay. photo, too. We have to, we're already warned. This is a spoiler section anyway. So with the other sections, we 
we find out for sure, or not for sure, for sure, but we can surmise how yeah. they fit together. Like, we know the story from both her side and from her folk side of, like, when they saw her at the foot of the bed. Yeah, exactly. And that's extremely complicated how that works, but it it happened. <laughs> so what is her freak out at her dad? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, get to tell her dad to get out and stuff. Because I, I have two ideas of what it could be. Okay. Yeah, no, I'd like to hear it. I'd like to hear it. Because I, I was wondering that, but I didn't know. Because that's the, that's the only ghost. Of, yeah. That's the only ghost interacting with somebody that doesn't line up in the movie. You know, I wonder, I wonder, too, if it happened to be Matthew and the dad was so caught up in grieving and stuff. Mm. That that was like the kid's initial reactions, like get the fuck out, get out, get out. Just scared his dad. Well, oh, that's a third option, I guess. But I was wondering if it's mm. it could either be the replay of the memory that we see on tape of when Matthew busted on with her, okay, with the the camera when he's rolling video and he sneaks into her room, right, right, or. It could be her ghost reacting not to her father, but because her the ghost, whenever it appears, it seems to be outside the rules of time. Right, right. Right? I mean, yeah, you would imagine. So what if that ghost wasn't reacting to her father, but was reacting to Mr. Tuhi going in the room? That would make sense, too, because you've already <clears throat> alluded to some of the time mm -hmm. aspect of this film. Okay. It wouldn't make sense within the context and frame of this film. But I think that's the only one that doesn't line up. Like I said, the other ghost moments by the end of the movie are like, oh. And the editing even shows like yeah. at least one of the moments that lines up. That's Yeah, that's the only thing I can make sense of it. And I kind of like all those. But you're right. It, it leaves certain things a little ambiguous, and that's one of them. And then the bruises appear on Matthew. That's another one, too. That, they never explain that. No, and it's like... They examined him. They would have known if it was makeup and shit like that. It would have been pretty mm -hmm. obvious. So that rules that out. But because of these kind of films, we have to keep in mind, they're going to show some of their influences. And I feel like that one might have been this film called The Entity. Okay. Where there was, I'm going to spoil a little bit, there's a ghost that is harming this woman who moves into a home. Mm. Right. And she shows like signs of physical abuse. Hence why probably Matthew shows it. But was she lashing out at him or that, that leaves some like, what the fuck is that really? Like, mm -hmm. was he doing that to himself to make it look like that too? But then they were like, there was no signs of contusions and things. Like that. So I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know. And it was after that, that the photo in the backyard happened. Man, I kicked myself that I didn't notice the the real ghost on the the right side the first time. <laughs> I know, because I was looking. I was like, "Oh shit!" And like, even the fucking I'm not gonna lie. Like, the seance later on, with just the way it was framed, I'm like, "Oh, she's definitely over here." And I stared right at that spot, and I didn't recognize it as being her. Yeah. I was like, "That's just a weird light." Yeah, I'm like, "What am I supposed to be looking at right now?" <laughs> yeah, no, right? <laughs> and then when it fucking like. Enhance. Like, oh, Enhance. Shit. Enhance. Oh, yeah, okay. Of course. Now <laughs> it makes sense. Fuck me. I was supposed to see that. But you're right. There's little things. There's always little subtle things, whether we see it or not, that are 
happening. And that's, I think, what also makes it interesting. But there comes a point where they finally exhume the body. They want some proof. They happen to do the DNA. And that gives them some closure. Like, nah, it was, it yeah. was definitely her. And that, that starts and to did. set some things up, too, man. Because it's like, ah, uh, you start to learn some things about what Matthew was doing. And that comes, I think that comes along with when um, he starts to set up cameras. Like we've already talked about, they start setting up cameras and they show well, like the figure walking. More cameras. Right. It's like some of that shit's just like, oh, this is too much of a coincidence like last week. Well, and like the figure walking at that point, it's like, well, that could still be mom because she's doing her fucking creepy ass fucking sleepwalking. That would lead right into that. It's like, okay, that could be one theory. And that's the thing. I think that's what this movie does that's so brilliant. Yeah. Is it sets up these things where you're like, oh, well, that's, I mean, fucking, that's just, that's mom. And then you Mm -hmm. realize, okay, well, if that's mom, (laughs) then what's this in the fucking mirror? Not mom. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, but what? And then 10 minutes later, we learn what it is in the mirror. But then what's this in the other room? Right. It still leaves some questions that that are that need some answering yeah (laughs) i like it though oh but also while he's setting up the sorry i just want to set us up that like also while he's bringing in the cameras mom's bringing in the psychic Mm. that was actually the point i was gonna make anyway Mm. i was like that leads me into an interesting point or a comparison if you will is this little bit of spoiler for people who have not seen twin peaks but there is a doctor psychiatrist if you will, that sees Laura prior to her death. Mm. And they have a relationship. That has nothing to do with this film, but it does because the doctor in that film, I believe his first name is Ray. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So (laughs) there's a little bit of that Twin Peaks influence showing again. But this guy is like a TV host. He's a, I want to say psychic. I think that's what they allude to. And... Yeah, the mom seeks out his advice because she listened to him on the radio and all that stuff. And he agrees to meet them. And what I like, this is where I think the second time through this makes this film really interesting. I mean, even the first time through, it makes you, it made me think more about the film. But the second time through, I was like, okay, this is really neat. Is you get the first like walkthrough of the house. Now, I think there's a little section, if I'm not mistaken, that shows Alice doing that. I almost said Laura. Alice doing that with the doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you don't hear the whole thing. You only get a snippet of it. Mm -hmm. Whereas the mom, you know, she's like leading you through the house, going into Alice's room, what she does in there, who she sees in there, et cetera. So she's giving the guided tour. And I was like, okay, that's that's really cool. And then they decide to have the seance. And then that's what you were kind of talking about, too. Is in that corner of the room, you can see something, you know. Yeah, I I couldn't have fucking told you that that was her that I was looking at. I was staring at it the entire fucking time. I'm like, something doesn't look right right there, but it doesn't look like a person. Right. But, like, if you zoom in. (laughs) But this is what I was getting with Matthew earlier because he finally reveals what he had done, doctored the photos. He composited the photos. And I was like, oh, he's kind of giving away the trade secrets there is what I was getting at. Like, that's kind of funny. (laughs) Because it's like dispelling, like, 90% of... Well, I'm gonna say this: 100% of everything on YouTube. <laughs> that dumb shit. Hate those videos. Oh shit. Well, that's one of those things. All right, like, even when it's not people intentionally doctoring photos, right? 
And you have people swearing like, oh, I swear it was away from fucking this uh, electronic source and that one. I'm like, motherfuckers, you guys are just turning off the lights. Yeah, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you aren't paying enough attention like, to some of this shit. I've been tricked before, and I've been the one who's done the tricking, so. I don't know. None of it. I, I want, it's one of those things. I want it to hold up to scrutiny. It's just none of it ever has yet. Yeah, I, I feel like if it had been, it would be more widely accepted and there would be more objectivity more than subjectivity. But also, fuck yeah, those crazy ass photos end up looking cool as shit though, still. I'm not disregarding that. I'm like, I like all that shit. I like it's trippy, but I don't know, it's bullshit. It's even it's even <laughs> creepy. Yeah, right. That's what I'm getting at. Like, I get it. It's cool. It's fucking cool. Like, once again, and I'll kind of I'll wrap up this point. Is if I were much younger and still impressionable and still believe this stuff, it would spook the fuck out of me. It'd probably give me nightmares, not even joking. But I learned to embrace those nightmares because I realized that shit's not real and this is a film. Not only this film, but others before it. <laughs> and that eased my mind. And so with that, I kind of leaned into the like, ooh, I like the adrenaline rush and all that stuff, even if it's still creepy. But that's it. That's all I'll say about that. But with that being said, with... The next kind of series of events I would really want to lead into, and that leads back into like the whole what the mom says during her walkthrough and then what they see happen in the video because they actually see Alice looking over them in bed. And there's no way that mm -hmm. Matthew could have done anything because he wasn't there while they were filming, still filming inside the home with the cameras. And I was like, okay, that's interesting because how do you explain that? Well, they'll, they will a little bit later on. So I like that. There's two things right there that are leading to like a whole bigger point and a whole another implication that's fucked up. <laughs> Yo, Matt's lucky he's alive. If I would have fucking pulled that shit, somebody would have killed me for pulling that sort of fucking pranks on everyone, including my mom. Oh, man. I know that's almost like grounds to be kicked out of the family. Just, uh, see, you're done, son. <laughs> like, I mean, I, you kind of get in a sense what he was trying to do, give her a little bit of hope. But also, I think in a, in a his keen excuses sense, were so weak ass excuses. I know, but also, if I'm gonna give him any, if I'm gonna defend him, I suppose, it, I feel like he was trying to give his mom some closure. Like, look, mom, yeah, I want you to realize this shit's not real, so that way you know that she's really dead. Well, here's the thing: if you're following just the family story in this <laughs> yeah. document, in this mockumentary, right, right. like it ends on kind of a hopeful note, and the whole thing, when you look at it as a whole is about them finding closure and having to go through these kind of fucked up means of getting there. And it was just him trying to start that process off. Yeah. If you look at the entire big picture, <laughs> this movie's really fucking sad. No kidding. And that's where, a little bit like last week, a little bit, even though I think the changeling is what we're, or at least what I'm alluding to, <laughs> is I think that film, even though you could read that ending as being like a little ambiguous with the ghost maybe still being there, Mm -hmm. With this one, you know, definitively, it's still there. I mean, spoiler, but that's, you know, 100%, she's still there. Yeah. And that's where it's sad. Because there's no yeah. closure for her. No. It's just very, very, I don't know. That's what the family needed ominous. to stop noticing her. But that didn't help her. No, it has, it has, yeah. She's still in this weird limbo state or whatever the fuck she's in. And we don't know why. There's no. still things left up in the air that are really right. weird. And that's okay because I think if I'm if I'm reading into some of this stuff, there's there might be an answer that gives a little bit of closure for us as an audience <laughs> that makes this a little bit more 
I don't know, digestible. While I'm calling out the kids' bullshit excuses for fucking pranking his family, though, fucking Ray trying to fucking bullshit his way a lot, being like, oh, yeah, I I was damned if I do, damned if I did. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, motherfucker, just... But if, if I'm reading this right, and if that director is a big-ass Twin Peaks fan, which he seems like he is, the, the, he fits perfect, that character Ray. Mm-hmm. Fits perfect with the the doctor on Twin Peaks. Like they both were hiding secrets too, because they thought they were gonna hold. I don't know. I mean, you could say it's like a Hippocratic oath in in a sense. You know, Ray. I mean, I kind of get it with how much we we do get from Ray and how we kind of understand the way he views the world. But I mean, you. I would because he does at least, seem kind of like a true believer. Yeah, and that's okay. That's okay. But still, I think you would, you would have to give the family some like, at least a little disclosure. Like, hey. Before we go any further, I just want to let you know, like, your daughter was a patient of mine, or at least she saw me, consulted me. I just want to let you know that. Yeah, have some fucking professionalism, bro. Right. And it's like, if you don't want to go any further, I completely understand, but I have to be up front. That, yeah, that's the, the professionalism is lacking. That, dude, that's all you got to say. <laughs> that's all you got to say. What's the worst that happened? I go like, ah, now we're good. Okay, I'm out of this story. Big deal. Mm-hmm. I'll find another doctor. But for the movie's sake, they, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Sometimes these things mean the movie doesn't happen. But that's why I remember there's a fucking movie. <laughs> Cuz otherwise this shit would fall apart like mm-hmm. super fast. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, what I do like is as we're moving forward as a part of what they find on video on one still in particular. They also notice at least the mom does that not only was, you know, Alice and all that shit doctored at one point several points in the film mm-hmm. are in the pictures but she also noticed that their, their next door neighbor was in one of the photos in alice's room he's like what the hell is he doing in there and that led them to discover some secrets about alice and their neighbors and that shit gets fucking weird but once again if you watch twin peaks and you're familiar with twin peaks this is exactly what laura does <laughs> so it's it's not to me it wasn't like okay I'm not surprised now because I know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> but if you don't know, then it's like, ooh, this is saucy. Also, if you know Singapore Sling, you might be able to guess, too. That's kind of what getting at, dude. It's like <laughs> they both follow kind of... I mean, because they're, they're both feeding off of that old film I already yeah. mentioned before. So, yeah, if you've seen it once, you've probably seen it all before. It's just the way they're doing it. Who's the chef in this? But yeah, they're, they're all hooking up. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, with a 16-year-old girl mm-hmm. who happens to be babysitting their kids. Implied from possibly when she started at the age of 14? I know, that's gross. Um, What I did... But we don't know because that's another thing. The twoies just disappear. Right, they skeeted out of there. <laughs> and what happened, like, what, six months after her death? Mm-hmm. It was, like, almost coincided with the discovery of that film. Or, you know, all that stuff, the tape. But I'm like, damn, that's fucked up regardless. Like, can you imagine being parents and finding that? And, you know, but the way this film sets it up, and they do a good job too, is with June, the mom, her parents, her mom specifically, like, they were kind of remote. They didn't have a really great relationship, as it were. They kind of hid stuff from each other. And no, so I'm that reached down to them. The, the, I think that that main scene you're talking about with her mom talking and shit, mm-hmm. the first time through. That played as a little bit more of a red herring for me 
but I don't think it was necessarily supposed to. Yeah. Because she just used really fucking weird wording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. She she's trying to say like I don't feel like I ever like really opened up to my daughter and yeah. told her I loved her. But what she says is what she says um, I can't remember exactly what her wording was. I never gave myself over to her or something like that. And I was like, is this hitting out like some culty shit? I, I mean possibly. And then the second time through, I was like, I don't think it was trying no, to hint at some no. culty shit. I well, think I was stoned and like she just <laughs> so like very awkward please. wording. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not mistaken, too, I believe most of this dialogue also was improvised mm. by the cast. So it could just very well be part of, you know, how Australians word stuff. You know, I mean, it is oh, what it is. No. Good on you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I how just you remember go, how thinking you going? The, I just remember the way that she worded it. I was like, wait, wait, wait. And I was still waiting for more like she was leading living fucking secrets and shit. Yeah, secrets. And they're like, Oh, she was secretive, like her mom is secretive. And then her grandma's just like, Yeah, no, I just never really opened up. And yeah, then that was yeah, it. Yeah. It was just letting you know, I guess it was the, I, I know what you're saying with that, because it could have gone the hereditary thing. Right. Yeah, which would have been really fucking dope. But I don't think they had that in mind at the time, right? I think this is just more of like, you know, mother-daughter relationship and, and the impact it had because, you know, it was a generational thing. It was handed down, unfortunately. It wasn't intended, but anyway, that's a consequence of that. But it makes sense, once again, within the context of this film. Well, and that kind of ties on to the end because really, in it's the end, yep. the mom's kind of the last one holding on. Mm-hmm. And... I guess, like, she thinks she gets to that point, kind of like her mother did. Like, I did well enough. Yeah. No, I'm going to, yeah, detach myself. And she's like, cool, I did well enough, and that's fine for her. I know. But it still leaves her fucking daughter in the lurch. no. All right, all right, all right. Now, that's why I like having these discussions, because the more we say these things out loud, the more it makes me think about certain other concepts that are just kind of flooding me. There's something I want to talk about, maybe about that here in a second. Man, what this really leads to, I'm going to just go ahead and jump into it, is at some point the mom finds a fucking diary, right? And she's mm-hmm. reading through what her daughter's saying and all this other stuff. And what I was getting back with her hovering over the fucking bed, she actually wrote that out in her diary. It was like a dream she had. Right. It came to fruition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. That's where this kind of this neat, eerie, if you want to read into that narrative, falls into place. But then she starts seeing like Mungo highlighted in that journal entry. What's the significance? Well, Alice and her group of friends and all that stuff, her classmates went on a field trip up to Lake Mungo. And apparently at the time she had lost like all her valuable possessions, her phone, her bracelet, all this other shit. Field trips. They were tying one on out there. Yeah, they were. So they were like, oh, wait, we getting roasted, mate. <laughs> tying one on. Yeah. They were either getting fucked up. Yeah, yeah, they were. So what happens is, is they go out there because they notice well, I think it's the kid, like uh, her boyfriend, mm-hmm. like, hey, why not? I tell him, like, hey, this is what happened. She was acting off that night. She buried her shit. It's what happened. It's like, I'll tell him, why not? What Secrets, secrets, <laughs> you know? So they go out to Lake Mungo. They find what happened. And then when they find the cell phone, they look through it, and they find video of what happened that night. Well, what happened is Alice, you know, she separates herself from the party, and she runs into a figure out Lake Mungo. What was that figure? It happened to be a doppelganger. It happened to be her future dead body running into her. 
fucking Which weird. was also something... She hadn't seen it yet in her nightmares, but her diary makes it clear that that's kind of the feeling she was already getting from that place. Right, exactly. Something was probably drawing her in or... Also, arguably the only jump scare, but I don't know if it really counts as a jump scare. No, it, I, I think it's the editing. The way they did it was really clever. Yeah. Because they, they pause on the image. They give you some expo of what the hell's going on. And then when it, it kind of lurches forward. But it's really just the same speed that it was going That's kind of what I'm It's just like, that they unpause. It, it's just the way they edited that. Yeah, it's like, oh, so, that's just clever. Plus they hit the fucking, the music hits the fucking scarecrow right, in the back right. at the same time. <laughs> so, I mean, that's... That's arguably the only jump scare in this film. And it's not a cheap jump scare. No, it's not. It's it was effective. legit. It's right in front of It kind of startled me a little bit <laughs> the first time through because right? I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, shit. Even that though was it's right good. there. It's right in It's literally right, right in front of was, The image is right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Before we go any further, I just wanted to say this second time through. I was like, knowing what I know now with all this information equipped, if I ever see something like that, it's getting the two-piece combo. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm dipping out because <laughs> I know what that means. It's you ain't getting good, me, Dad. That's what I'm saying. It's not a good sign. <laughs> He's getting the two piece at least before I'm out. <laughs> All right. So fast forward. The family knows this, right? And there comes a point where I can't remember. If it's the I think it is the mom. She talks about you know after discovering what was going on with the photos and what was going on with the fam the Tui family. You know she was mm-hmm. having the sexual stuff going on with the secrets and all that shit. And then what happened at Lake Mungo, and then when they came back, they were like, you know, they were starting to finally feel like a family unit, like there was some some of this closure starting to happen, right? They were starting to realize, and they, they felt like maybe Laura was reaching out to try to tell them who she really was. I, right. I'm like, no, that's not it. Why would you be, why is her final message like, you should know all of me. Avenge me. <laughs> Remember me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's got to be fucking help me, right? Anyway. Well, right. So this, that's this is the mom spinning this yarn. This is kind of getting right there at the last little bit, right, where the mom has the consultation for the last time with Ray because he's coming through. He wants to visit. He wants to know if it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're like, sure. So they have that last little consultation. And this is where I do like this film because it has a couple different impacts and, and what this means so the mom this is you get juxtaposition here you get what happened throughout that entire tape or the segment that we get to hear earlier from alice with her consultation because of her dreams with ray and then it's juxtaposed over what's happening now with the mom and her last consultation so they're both talking about being in the room alice's room the only difference is now that the mom's in there this time around she doesn't notice Alice, whereas before the first consultation, she did, mm-hmm. right? And so from the mom's point of view, because Alice isn't in there, she's like, oh, that means she's there, She's probably at peace. And now I can be at peace, and I have to worry about Alice in the room and all this other stuff. <laughs> it's a, she's done. But Alice, on the other hand, she's like, she knows her mom doesn't see her, and she knows her mom's leaving Mm-hmm. And so she still probably feels trapped and isolated and all those feelings that go along with it, anxiousness and anxiety, you know, anxiety comes along and depression and all this other stuff. So for her, there's no closure. It's just, it's a sad loop that she's stuck in for whatever reasons. She just unfortunately ran into a doppelganger mm-hmm. 
And usually with that, if you read into the myths and things of that nature, it spells your doom. It's very ominous. Oh, yeah. So I remember what made me fucking laugh about all that. Her dad in reaction to all of that shit and seeing, like, the tape of her getting her fucking ghost on tape and shit. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I think she ran into a ghost out there and she wasn't to know that it was her own. And I'm like, motherfucker, you have access to all of her diary and shit. Like, it's obvious that it she knows out, it's her bro. own. <laughs> she doesn't realize it early on. That's what was happening. Yeah. Way early on, she doesn't know that that's what's going no, on. No, and that's why. But I by find... the time she goes out to Lake Mungo, oh, she it's, knows. it's yeah, her her she knows, she knows everything that's happening now. It makes she has clarity, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. New, and now it's just like the countdown. <laughs> that's the scary fucking part. Yeah. So all right, that pretty much was what happens, right? So the family they move. As they're moving out, they're starting to show you photos again from earlier, and that's where oh, there's the Where's Waldo and the fucking film and you notice all along that alice has been there mm-hmm. even with the fucking kid you know compositing the photographs it doesn't matter if she was still in them some of them there was no way i was going to notice that shit Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I think it's kind the, of like, the video one is the one i was like nope, no there's no fucking no, way there's no that. way but that's okay like say if i'm just watching it and trying to analyze it from the context of the frame and, and within the films like yeah i can buy that that's okay no i'm not buying that shit in real life but it's it is all there too, right, 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 and that's why it's hard to like. It was there the whole time. Mm-hmm. We just didn't see it. They just did a really good job of drawing your it. eye right to where they wanted you. Yeah, to that and that's the time. part where it, it makes this this film sad. Even though the family's moving on, they feel like they have closure. Alice is still there. She's still trapped. And the thing I really, really enjoyed about this was the introduction of the doppelganger, not in the sense that it's like, oh, I'm seeing my twin. This is like, no, this is more of the ominous folkloric me, one. Yeah. And that's where I could see you reading into the folklore, or not folklore, but like the um, folk horror mm-hmm. of this with the cults and stuff like that. Because I'm like, hold on now, there's something there, <laughs> you know? So I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. Now, the Lake Mungo thing, I don't think the place itself, I don't know, because I'm not Australian. I don't know the entire history of it. I just did a little bit of research. Now, apparently, in terms of Australian's history, that is where they found three different species of homo, you know, subspecies, sapien oh. or whatever. So they found three different ones, and one of them being the oldest. So they found, and I'll, I'll, I'm reading off of Wikipedia, one's called Lake Mungo 1, right? It's also known as Mungo Woman, MLM1, and ANU618. They also found Lake Mungo 3, also called Mungo Man, Lake Mungo 3, and LM3, and Lake Mungo 2, LM2. Lake Mungo is in New South Wales, Australia. Now, the one that was the LM3, the Lake Mungo Man, mm-hmm. they said that it was dated around, I don't know, about 40,000 years old. Oh, shit. Okay. So that would have put it in the Pleistocene epoch. And apparently that's the oldest Homo sapiens remains found on the Australian continent. Oh, wow. So what I'm saying with that is there's probably, knowing some of the stuff, especially with Aborigines, there's probably some kind of spiritual context to that. Mm. Hence maybe why some of the doppelganger stuff, supernatural stuff is what we're getting at. I don't know, but I'm kind of maybe leaning in that direction. But it still makes an interesting story, and maybe that's why they chose it as that locale. Right. You know, And like I said, the story that's being presented isn't the entire story, which is kind of the entire point of the documentary. You have one thing being presented, but there's still something oh, else no. lurking. You have one <laughs> thing being presented, there's still something else lurking. 
this documentary presents this story. Mockumentary. <laughs> I know, I know. They do it so But well. within universe, you know, documentary presents the story as like, I kind of already got at it. Like happy for the family as this tale of getting closure and shit. We know that she didn't. The story lurking behind is that we still don't know how she died so suddenly. Yeah, what exactly happened? Was she Why? Like, yeah, as like you're right. There's, there's a no lot reason of for her suddenly just because she saw her fucking doppelganger just to no. suddenly drown in a fucking lake. The two he's are still Yeah. Like I, I, nowhere to be. You're found. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Because what what I'm gonna say is, and this is man, this is all for me, this is all it's gonna do is just go into this like this argumental loop. Because it's like I can argue on both sides of that equation being like this is what I'm getting at. Like all those points you're bringing up, super logical because it's like, dude, these are these are fucking logical questions, right? Because of what this film's trying to show us. But then there's what I know about apparently like this is pretty obvious what this guy's fucking influence with Twin Peaks. Right. It's like, no, he's doing this because that's it fits what he's trying to do with these characters. And mm-hmm. he's using Twin Peaks as a template. And if you follow that, it totally makes sense. And you don't have to look any further than that. Just use right. those those characters as models for what's going on in this film. And it spells it out. It's like, same thing with Laura Palmer. I don't know I'm spoiling shit, but her death, it, it was never really... Well, yeah, yeah, it is. I'm sorry. It is explained. But in, in a sense, it has supernatural elements is what I'm getting at. Mm. And there's a mystery around her character and the secrets that she has and all this other stuff much like Singapore Sling and all this other stuff. So <laughs> that's what we're getting at. It's like, as long as you follow that narrative and that beat, then this film makes total sense. The only, I think the only curveball, maybe the screwball in this is the doppelganger. But even David Lynch uses that shit. Mm. He, I don't know how much, well, I was going to say, I know how much folkloric, then I'm like, well, that's David Lynch. He <laughs> uses a lot of folklore and myth, so I'm going to go ahead and recant that. But regardless, this film made me think a lot more than I thought it was going to especially after the first watch. And I was like, man, I can see now why people really dig this film. I almost feel like it's still flying underneath the radar in terms of Australian films and horror films and even found footage, mockumentary Mm -hmm. style films. Like this is a really fucking good one, even though ghost stories and supernatural aren't always my bent. It's still a good one, dude. I'd highly recommend it if you're like a real fan or connoisseur of this style. Yeah. The other flicker reminded me of that I know that we both dug was uh, Time Crimes. Oh, yeah, dude, because you've talked about the, the cycle of times. and mm-hmm. Yeah. We go, back, we go back to that one image in the hallway like three different times. Like, okay, there's the image that walks across. Okay, <laughs> now, we know that it, now we know it's Matthew. Okay, well, there's still the fucking the, the image moving in the mirror. Okay, no, that was actually Matthew as well because that's what he was trying to get. It's so good. But, oh, shit, who is this over here? And that's why I like all that shit. It makes you think, even though it's like, man, it's just a, it's just a film. You don't have to really think that hard about mm-hmm. it. And once you know to look for it, it's there every time. Exactly. And that's the beauty. And I think that's something about film in general, too. Depending on who does it, it can be done wrong or it can be done right. And in this instance, I think it's done really well. And it's kind of interesting to note that this guy hasn't done a lot as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I know, outside of this film, like maybe some short films here and there, but he did a damn, I think, fine job, too. And not only that, to make it feel authentic in terms of the mockumentary style, you know, it's like everybody gave a pretty solid performance. Yeah, They were believable in what they were saying, and 
made you feel like they were family and friends and whatever else, you know, colleagues. So good job on them. Good on you. Yeah, no, fuck. This movie was good. Yeah, it was really fun, man. There was, There is one other part I, that I'm wondering how intentional of just like kind of black comedy it almost was. But where right after you find out about the tape and shit and they're talking about like the family is talking very seriously about like, oh, well, we found this and they're kind of like beating themselves up over like maybe we didn't have a great relationship with her. Maybe she, you know, she didn't yeah, feel she like did. she could come to us with this. <laughs> and then the fucking just like jerk over to her friends then talking about it and we're talking about her getting it on with the fucking couple next yeah. door and you go right to her friends in fucking bikinis that's that's just kind of it is funny because yeah those three girls were talking like oh he didn't seem like he was you know nasty or nothing then they also show like oh well they were having pool parties for all these teens that's not suspect <laughs> what wasn't there also like three minutes of the movie where they kind of made it seem like her brother was creeping on her a little bit too? Yeah, it did appear like that. Like he was hiding in a room and giggling and mm -hmm. so what? what? It was kind of like weirdly defensive of her and like. Yeah, but. But it's again, legit for only like three minutes. Like I said, once again, I feel like not all of it, but there's there's a good percentage of this film where it it's owed to some of the shit that happens in Twin Peaks. That's all I'm saying. And I'm sure there's other, I've already mentioned the entity has a little bit of that with like the bruising and stuff like that. So I'm sure that somewhere it has an influence. I'm sure the changeling probably has an influence on this film a little bit mm -hmm. somehow. But regardless, man, it's still pretty solid, dude. I would say in terms of the, the films that we've seen that fit this model, we've done what, Savage Land, Poughkeepsie Tapes, this one, of course. Was there any any else within that style that I'm missing? I mean, um Behind the mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. It I, doesn't take it as seriously. No, 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 no. But I'd say, though, it's still a fun one. It still belongs in, in that category, or at least that conversation. Is it the best one? Not my, not my no. imagination, but it's definitely not the worst one. Not even fucking close. So, yeah, that alone speaks volumes, and that it's not talked about probably as much as it needs to be. I think that'll change. I think the more people get their eyeballs on this. Like I said, this is a, uh, I said it once at the beginning. This is a flick where I understand if somebody says it fucking terrified them. There's yeah, some I'm movies, close. I'm not going to tell you your face, you're a fucking cuss. <laughs> there's some movies <laughs> that, like, uh, that if somebody says it terrified them, I'm just going to be like, man, that sucks. I know. I was like, oh, dude, I, I, I'm trying not to judge you. <laughs> I'm kind of judging you right now. You know, but somebody I says that it, about though. this movie. No, I get it. It I, does all I the right totally things get to get it. in there and, and worm its way in on you. Exactly. I get it. Precisely. For me, no. For them, I get it. And we'll leave it to that. Like, yeah, I'm at this point, too. It's like, I'm not going to argue with people and shit like that over it. It's like, if it doesn't do for me, whatever, I don't give a fuck. Here's the thing. It didn't have me scared, no. but I felt kind of anxious because I couldn't guess what was coming next after yeah. the first couple times they twisted it Yeah, up. as I was saying, it kept me involved enough to know I wanted to know what, what was it's actually like, oh, happening. Shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is oh, interesting. Yeah, ooh, this is another twist and turn. Oh, shit, what's next? Oh, yeah. shit, is there going to be aliens? What the what's fuck next? happened at Lake Mungo? What's next? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was, I was loving it. I was felt like I was watching hip-hop. What's next? <laughs> I think I think at this point what we need is a fucking uh, Lake Mungo fire walk with me. Oh, shit. 
<laughs> Hell yeah. I would really spell things out. I'm okay with that. Uh, David Lynch, you heard it. Here, here first. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. But I, I, I like this film. I think it's definitely one that needs to be watched. I agree. I agree. This was our, we know what's happening. Yeah, this week, we do. We? we do. I was like, I already shaking my head. I was like, yeah, oh, we do. Yes, yeah. we do. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Next week, we will celebrate Valentine's Day for the first time on this podcast. I know. I haven't done it yet, right? Not, not formally. Not, no, not celebratory. Uh, my bloody Valentine. What, what else are you going to pick for fucking Valentine's Day? It's my perfect one. That's going to be a fucking lot of fun, I think. I haven't seen it. I've seen bits and pieces. That's in all I'll say. Like fifteen years. Oh, yeah, that's be a fun one. And I'd only ever watched it once, so. Ooh. I'm way looking forward to it. Strangely, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> now I'm looking forward to it as well. And yeah, I was. I for some reason I kept thinking that something else about Lake Mungo is going to pop back into my head, but nah, nah. <laughs> just go watch it. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. Out. out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.